This message is brought to you by IOM America and the International Fellowship of Exchange Life. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I am your ministry host. We hope that the Lord blesses you today as you listen to our podcast. We welcome everyone who is listening to our podcast. That's the people who are taking our online school. We welcome you. We certainly welcome our regular podcast churches. And uh, for the rest of our listeners, we hope that you enjoy this special message on the Hebrew mother. As most of you know, I'm kind of a Hebrew freak. Not just Hebrew. In fact, I don't particularly care that much about modern Hebrew. But I certainly know modern Hebrew is very important when we are tracing it back to the pictorial Hebrew. Pictorial Hebrew, for those of you who are new to this whole concept, it is the original Hebrew used. Anyone who does authentic research about the Hebrew are going to find or at least stumble onto pictorial Hebrew. That is primarily what I teach from is the pictorial elements of Hebrew, not just the language itself. So in saying that, I want to go back to our earlier topic to discuss the whole idea of forgiveness. This is not a Hebrew statement, but it is certainly a Hebrew concept that you're going to hopefully walk away this morning having a thorough understanding, and that is that Christ's forgiveness through a mother is the glue to family unity. I hate to say it, guys, and I hope I'm not going to insult anyone here, particularly those who are not of the Western civilized world. Ha ha. We Westerners think we have all the answers. And uh, it's being proven by cultural studies that the people in the Middle East have always had a deeper and richer understanding of the scriptures. The farther west you go, the more we like to iron out the wrinkles of what we don't like in Scripture. If we don't like what's being said in Scripture, we have the tendency to write a new translation. There are so many translations and paraphrases written on the Bible, or from, or through, whatever they, however it is that they want to explain it, we're not sure what to believe anymore. I want to give you an example. The reason why I will not even have a paraphrase in my possession, not in my office, not at home, not as one of my study versions, the reason why I will not use a paraphrase is because it's not the Bible. It's reading a verse and and literally rewriting it, whether it's for the sake of your children or the sake of your congregation, people start quoting from paraphrases like they're the Bible. That's not a good habit to get into because when you say, well, the Bible says blah, 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 when in truth of the matter is it was some guy who made a paraphrase of that verse, i.e. the Message Bible. They're quoting from these books like they are some kind of scripture. And your average Christian does not even know the difference between a paraphrase Bible, a phrase-by-phrase Bible, a word-for-word Bible. In fact, there's probably only several of you here today that could explain the difference to me. That's what happens in the West oftentimes. If we don't like something because it's too strong, we water it down. 
as best as we can because we assume people are dumb. We assume they have fourth grade reading level. We assume that the Holy Spirit doesn't have the power to interpret. That's not the case in a lot of countries in the world today. They take the Bible for what the Bible is, the authoritative word of God. I have got testimonies in my save file of people, in fact I have some testimonies of my own mission trips, of people who wanted pages ripped out of my Bible to save them. They take the Word of God completely authoritative and literally from the mouth of God. The farther west you go, I'm afraid that's just not the case. Why do I say all that? Because what I'm about to show you can either be a cute idea or it can set you free. It's your choice. Do you know freedom is a choice? Freedom is put in front of you as a gift. It is your choice whether you pick it up and become free. The truth shall set you free. If we water down the truth, do you think it's going to set you free? No, it will not. The only thing that sets you free is full strength truth. My wife likes to water down my cranberry juice. So we will buy this authentic 100% cranberry juice stuff and we bring it home and I will agree it's rather strong. And so she likes to divide it in half primarily for economical reasons. And I usually chop up fruit or if it's already chopped up I put fruit in my cup and then I pour some cranberry juice in there and then I usually fill the rest of it up with water anyway but that's my evening drink. It's my fruit drink. Fruity tooty dat and duty, my, my grandkids call it. Well, it's watering down the strength of the cranberry, but as soon as you do that, cranberry has lost its original purpose to cleanse the kidney. See, things have to be in full strength to be able to set you free. And we do have the tendency to water things down, and so therefore they become cute ideas. The end result is people enjoy having their ears tickled. So pastors in a lot of the western churches have actually become feather holders. And they preach these sermons that go up and just kind of tickle the ears a little bit. Keeps the person active in the service. It's, it's got an effect but it does not have a life transforming effect because it's watered down. What I'm about to share with you is not watered down. So let's take a look at you mommies. Or our mothers. And why mothers are literally the glue of family unity. Men are not the glue to families. Who is usually left with the responsibilities of kids when dad's out playing around? the mothers. What's the big issue today with abortion and all the issues that come with abortion is you know she has to make this decision because he left her and she has to make this decision on whether she is going to raise these children by herself because she knows he's not gonna hang around because 96 percent of the guys don't 
So she is left with this decision because she knows it's up to her. That is the biggest choice that affects women and their choices today is do I want to put my entire life in a direction where I have to carry this burden alone. It just so happens that Satan has provided this very clever, cute medical technique to actually kill children. And to have it accepted in the world today that you can actually kill your children and not be really affected that much because it's a medical procedure. After all, it's only tissue. Until the clinic director gets pregnant, then it's no longer tissue. Do you realize that? Some of their own people, once they get pregnant and decide, I want this child, it's no longer tissue for some reason. It's really a human life. Well, hypocrisy never works, and you know that. The calling of a mother cannot be reduced or lukewarmed in any of its responsibilities. And I'm going to give you literally the Hebrew words that describe woman. When you think of your mother and all that she had or still does have to deal with on a daily basis, what is it that a mother is compelled why is it that a mother is compelled to forgive day in and day out? Think about your mother and how much she had to forgive. These decisions that her husband was making, or lack of husband, these decisions that had to be made that she had to forgive daily. And her children, I mean that's just a no-brainer. How often mothers have to forgive their children. As their children are running off to the room, getting ready to slam the door between her and the child, and saying, the child saying, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. The things that a mother has to extend forgiveness for in an average day would blow the average mind of a man out of town. He can't deal with it. It takes the unity of one flesh for him to be able to deal with forgiveness. And that's why you look in the world today and most men, they can't explain forgiveness to you. Most men think forgiveness is just forgetting about it and going on. But that's what most as guys do. It's just like they want to forget about it. This, isn't, this doesn't mean forget about it. It's a process of commitment. It's working the issues through. You know, the, the video that we showed you earlier, Scott and his wife are illustrating the whole reverse that oftentimes takes place when a woman decides to prostitute herself. The fact is, that video clip clearly defines Christ in our lives. We are the bride of Christ. We're the ones that sell ourselves out to cheap doctrines and cheap counselors and cheap pastors and cheap ideas. 
Water us down so it's not so offensive. We do this as the bride of Christ. There won't be any freedom, folks. You trim off 1% of truth, you will not be set free. 1%. It has to be 100% of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The strength of the gospel has to stay at 100%. Woman. It means what comes out of the fireman. Here's the modern Hebrew. As you know, I always like to keep that intact. But here's the pictorial Hebrew. You have Aleph, which is sheen, or fireman. And then you have Hey, this is the guy, kids remember in, in Hebrew, it's the guy standing there holding his hands up. Praising the Lord, revealing. Also a symbol known for the preacher. He, what comes out of. The woman comes out of the man. The woman comes out of the fire of the man. Which oftentimes is interpreted as the passion. Men are 100% responsible for all immorality in the entire world. In the Hebrew, they're called penetrators. You cannot be penetrated unless the penetrator has made a decision to abuse, take advantage of. That's why God holds men 100% accountable for all immorality. Is there times when the woman chooses to respond to that fire, that passion? Absolutely. And what is the promised gift of joining two flesh? Children. Children. So if you're upset because of the children that you have, and I know I'm speaking to several countries right now, where women are abused all day long to reproduce children for these men. And they feel abused. The fact is, is the gift that is given for anybody, immoral or they do it godly and righteously, the gift given for deciding to come together as one flesh is the gift of children. You activate a whole new plan once you make that decision, even if you're raped. It activates a whole new plan. It's called motherhood. It's not about you anymore. It's not about your abusive husband. It's not about your boyfriend that left you. It is you've activated, because of whatever the person's choice was, a whole new line of a calling. Motherhood. It's not about you no more, it's about your children. Mother actually from the Hebrew means strong water. This is the symbol of mem, which is water of course. And then we have olive connected to it, which is where we get the idea of strong or strength. So she's not just water, which is an actual illustration used to define the Holy Spirit. Living water. She's not just mother of all the living. She is strong water. She is basically the water that you see during a hurricane. She has the ability to take 
herself that water and literally pounce on something much smaller than herself and destroy it. Or she has the ability to be calm waters. Still strong. Still can be called on to be strong waters if necessary. But that's the biblical illustration of your mother or yourself if you are a mother. Is a strong water. When I have bad dreams, I usually have bad dreams about floods. Water's out of control. I've been caught in a few flood situations and it's, it's pretty scary to be honest with you. Well, I think the most frightening thing for a man in the world today is to be in the pathway of an angry woman. And of course, that's right out of the book of Proverbs. Or to live in the house with dripping rain, dripping water, a constant pecking from that powerful source. These are, from the, these are illustrations from the Bible. So for a woman to learn the proper role without being bitter waters is rather critical. Thirsty, hooked by strong water. Women are the ones that literally create thirst for men. Why do you stand in front of the mirror and put all that extra makeup on and do your hair up a little bit extra and make sure that you go to the closet for three, four, five, six times before you have that final outfit, is you are basically committing and, and confessing that I want to be one who creates thirst in men. That's what it means. Part of her calling is to create thirst so that they will take their cup, their dry cup, whether it's children or her husband, and scoop up that water and drink from her life. But it's not just drinking from the strong water, it's hooking. It's securing. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard ladies say, I just need to have a father for my children or whatever. So they, so they become thirst. So they can hook a man, really men, live with her or do whatever. And, and the truth of the matter is she is only interested in one thing, is to share the responsibility of this one flesh. That's what she wants. And so what happens, the children are raised up having to make this choice between two, three, four. I asked one young man on uh, Thursday how many grandpas he had, because I was getting confused. So he told me the number of grandpas he had. And I just looked at him and said, well, I'm, I'm, I am confused. The more fathers you have, the more confused the children are. They're not sure who to call daddy. They're not sure who to call dad. They're not sure who to call father. They're not sure who to call whatever. Well, they say within five years that the federal policies are going to support fathers fathering children. And what they're going to do 
is they're going to adopt children from women who want to give their children away because they have become producers for the gay community. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They are going to legalize the reproduction of children for gay marriages. Do you know how complicated it's going to be for these children when they're adults? Why? Because of the fathers, right? Oh, they'll be responsible for the immorality as the penetrator. But I'm telling you, it's because there is no mother. Children can grow up to be very healthy children as long as they have a mother. Do you understand that? They can be completely fatherless, but God said, I promise to be a father to the fatherless. He does not say that for mothers. He needs mothers to stay intact as mothers. Don't use your bodies for this reproduction system that's coming up here in 2015 to produce children for gay families. It's going to be very prosperous, by the way. I don't know what the numbers are exactly, but I can guess how much she'll make off of one pregnancy. Through the United States government, they will pay her with your tax dollars. This is getting complicated. Every time we throw the mother out the window, it's becoming more and more complicated. Fear. What happens when there is no mother? That's the Hebrew definition of fear. What happens when there is no mother? Why is there so much fear in the world today? Why do children have nightmares? It's not just because you're letting them watch scary movies. They're having fears because there's no mother. Now, they, everyone has a mother, last I heard. What this means is that they have no mother, is there's no mother directly participating in that child's life 24 hours a day so that she's up in the middle of the night, she's up before the sun gets up, she goes to sleep when everyone else is asleep, and on and on and on. All these responsibilities that we read in here, it's impossible for a woman to do that if she's split between two masters. It's no time. She's got to be the provider. She's got to be the grandpa. She's got to be the grandma. She's got to be the father. She has to be the mother. She has to be the best friend. She has to be all these roles so she becomes excessively masculine in appearance. Aggressive. Known in the gates. You follow the story all the way through. Fear is passed to the next generation when there are no mothers around. Satan needs fear in order to control the world. Any abusive leader needs fear before he can control the world. And that includes the Antichrist. Here's how he's going to do it. He's going to make these mothers disappear. I can't even tell you how many households there are today where the men are actually raising the children because the Hosea story is becoming more and more popular. Completely opposite of what it was even in the 50s. 
Three types of mothering. Too much mothering produces the mama's boy and the little guys. It's always about mama, mama, mama. They don't understand that they have their part up to a certain age and they're to let go and then the father is supposed to take them at 10 years of age and polish them off into the next generation. Well, let's get rid of the dads. So she has to be all of that. Let's keep her tired and exhausted. Because if we keep her tired and exhausted, she won't want to do all the creative truth stuff that literally sets her children free. She'll do half-truths. Meanwhile, the children aren't being set free from anything. They're becoming more and more in bondage to things. It's a perfect little plan. Well, her own fear doesn't want her to let go of these kids. So she'll raise little boys that are, that'll become too dependent on women. Or she'll raise little girls with curls, they call it. They sure are cute. We can prance them around on stage like they're some kind of little princesses. But the truth being said, you get one of those little girls upset and you'll be sorry you did. That's a little girl with a curl. That's because of having a mama who can't let go. Then you have the other type where you have a mother who does not provide so too little with these young men turns these young men into a man's man or for a woman it can turn the little girls into seducers. You know, here's the, the truth of the matter is, is that most young couples as they come in for discipleship or counseling and they're wanting to have the pastor or the counselor resolve or iron out all of these issues that what? what, what why do they have these issues? One, because they married in immorality. Two, they had immorality all the way through their marriage and they want this thing fixed before they decide to stay together. Afraid doesn't work that way. Commitment's called commitment until, until death parts you through sickness and in health and in whatever. That's how it was originally laid out by God. But that's not how it works today. Either you fix your problem or I want nothing to do with you. It's called tough love. There's no such thing as tough Jesus. There's no such thing as tough God. It is just truth. What does God want us to do in truth? Until death parts us. Number three is the nurturing. That's a balance in respect of the male and female design. You talk to people who have this nurturing, the gals that have this nurturing balance, they don't have an attitude about men. They don't have an attitude about women. They just know that's the way God designed women and that's the way God designed men. There's liabilities to the woman and there's liabilities to the man. And I accept it. That's a balance. No picket signs. I hate men. I hate men. I hate women. I hate women. Okay, so you hate. We change the whole world for you? Yes, we do. Do you understand that? Picket signs work. 
And when you run around and say, we are gay, we want children, we, it works. Because we're all afraid of not getting someone's acceptance. So we change the world for a defiled people. What was once right is wrong. What was once wrong is right. Too much. What do men do with most of this? Too much. They demand that women care for them. Too little. Use women to meet their needs. Immorality, abuse, and indulgence. Women who come from an abusive father oftentimes throw themselves at men in their teenage years. They get pregnant early on or married early on. They just want to escape this abusive man. So their reaction is worse than the action that offended them. Do you hear what I'm saying? When you're listing out people's forgiveness issues, here's what we find. The offense is usually singular. The reaction usually has an enormous list of responsibilities connected to it, like three or four children. Or whatever. So the children become this daily reminder of his decision. No, it was your decision of your reaction to your abusive father or your lackadaisy father. That thing that they want fixed very quickly is to somehow erase all of the consequences of decisions they made, of reacting to their fathers. I'm afraid it doesn't work that way. The nurturing, how do men respond to the nurturing mothers? Cares for women as if they are a gift from the Creator. You see, if you ask in surveys, which I have for many years, and one of the ones is, as a man, what do you want most from your wife? Someone tell me what you think is the most common answer. Respect. You see, a balanced woman respects men, respects their position, respects what they're called to do, but she doesn't have to respect their liabilities, which is usually lust. Over here, a man can respect the calling of his woman, what God gave her as responsibilities, what God gave her as design, but he does not have to have respect for her most common liability. Someone please tell me what would be the most surveyed answer for women would be what? Control. You see, a woman finds security in control. If her husband's got control over all of life in a healthy way, she feels secure. If he doesn't, she feels insecure. So what does she do? Takes control. Well, he's not praying with the kids. He's not home to take care of the... So she starts kicking in areas of control. She has to. And it throws it off balance. So she gets more and more and more and more and more and more controlling. So she has to hunt out passive men in order to live with them. Because she has those needs too. Here's the list of the Hebrew consequences in children. This is what we see in the next generation down to mothers who decide to forsake their position. Lust. Strong nail that binds. 
So your children actually get attached to sexual deviance at a very early age. We're seeing children suffering with sexual issues earlier and earlier, generation after generation. The hook, the hook, the age of the hook of pornography for young men is eight years of age now. Just 20 years ago, it was 16. And I could probably safely say 10 years before that, it was age 25. Even in one generation, we're seeing it creep all the way back into eight years of age. That curiosity is hooking them. Number two, they become hard-hearted. Hard-hearted in the Hebrew, these are literal definitions from pictorial Hebrew. Hard-hearted is what comes from broken houses. How is Satan going to build a hard-hearted world? Is by destroying the homes, families, households, and the children. Why should children grow up and go that marriages are to be looked forward to? I can't wait for my wedding day. When they're looking at destruction. That they can't even find a marriage anywhere that is healthy. Why would they look forward to marriages? Why are they saying by year 2025 the institution of marriage will be completely dissolved in America? There won't be marriages. The children won't want them. Ten years ago the average age of marriage was 25. It's 30 today. It's getting higher and higher. People with kids don't want to get married. They look at this destruction and hardship and mom crying every night because of the responsibilities. They don't want that. But how many men run out on their wives nowadays? 90 plus. You see, we're not parting hope to our children. We're parting hard hearts. Don't worry. He'll leave you. He'll run off on you. Because that's what men do, honey. Well, there's truth to that, actually. Here's what else we part to them. Rebellion. Rebellion means what comes from bitter waters. Bitter waters is a female term in the Hebrew. And if you make a woman bitter, guys, how a man reacts to a bitter woman is different in every single case. But you never want your waters to turn bitter. Because you see, she's what feeds you. Why did Adam fall? It's pretty simple, folks. Her calling was to feed her husband that cup of water, that fruit. That was nothing new to him. There was no sin in his mind wondering, she's deceiving me. She's feeding me. No. She always fed him. It's one of her names. It's one of her Hebrew names is to feed, to offer a cup. So he was just receiving normally. But he just didn't know because he had no knowledge of sin. He didn't know what was in that cup was bitter water. Just drink. And he did drink or eat. And that bitterness consumed him as well. You come home to a bitter woman and you will be rebellious by 6 p.m. Women are very powerful. Some women who don't even know the Bible know that I am speaking the truth. 
It is women that have the power to turn the heads of men. And what they say, the way they look, or whatever. They have the power to turn. Where you're turned, he will turn. Men are moved very easily. They're not as tough as you, you gals think they are. Number four, secrecy shows up in the children, and that is to prop the door. That's to stick a stick against the, the knob of the door so you can't enter into his life and you, he can't enter into your life. Number five is uncleanliness is passed to the children, and they're just surrounded by chaos. My greatest burden, I tell my wife all the time, is to try to preach in an environment of chaos. Whether it is in a home in Africa, a church in Africa, or India, or whatever, it's like Satan, he just musters up chaos so that the chaos overrides the message of truth that will set the people free. I deal with it every day of my life. All the people want to talk about is their chaos, their chaos, their chaos. When that's not the issue, chaos is noise created from a decision you made. And if you never get to the decision, you'll always have the chaos. Here's the Hebrew words that I was talking about that describes a woman or a mother. Number one is able to do all the work that is complete. And that's how a lot of ladies feel. They just feel like they're, you know, they have to do it all. Number two, beautiful is a word in the Hebrew that describes her. The Hebrew definition of that is the hand or the deed that is spoken of. Something wonderful. Which tells me as a man that as I read these Hebrew words to describe a woman or a mother, a lot of what you're going to see here is stuff coming out of her mouth. It's not just the stuff she does in buying land, you know, so she can turn around and sell it again for a little more profit to help take care of the family. It's not just the business and works. It's the stuff coming out of the mouth that is so soothing and healing. Number three, belly. The house that surrounds life. Okay, think of a pregnant woman. The house that surrounds life. Well, a lot of ladies think that stops once the baby comes out. Wrong answer. It is the house that surrounds life. Pastor's responsibility, the house that surrounds life. It's a very, very powerful Hebrew word. Number four. Bind, and the Hebrew definition for bind is what follows the nail. So the husband is typically responsible for driving the nail through the palm to nail down sin. It is the woman's responsibility to follow up the nail. Remember Mary at the foot of the cross, she's weeping. She sees her, her son having to be pinned down by the sins of mankind, and she is doing her part as a mother. 
That's what follows the nail. Men are the ones to do the nailing, and the woman follows up the nail. Number five is blessed, or fire on the head. It's also where we get the term red-headed boys, resh. And a, those of you who understand a little bit about Hebrew manners, if you have a red-headed boy, you are considered in the Middle East as a blessed father and a blessed mother. And as some of you know, the Muslims, if you have a red-headed child, they're actually considered holier than your other children. If a Muslim man marries a red-headed woman, he is considered to have a holy gift. God actually thinks in these terms too, because the last red heifer will be the final sacrifice, will have pure redhead too, as Allah, the ox. It is a big deal to God. And it's red, and the issue of red is very significant because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So there's a lot of symbols in this. But in the Hebrew, it means where the blessing comes from. Number six, bosom. No surprise there. Also one of the names of God. The 43 Hebrew names of God. One, is, one of them is the breasted one. Bosom. And it's, it's, it's life inside that chamber. The chamber inside. It is, it is in here. It's not just laying your head upon the bosom of your woman. Or it's not holding that child to your bosom. It's what's inside you're giving to that child. It's what's inside you're giving to that man. If you're giving true love to a man, you're giving God within you to that man. If you're just caught up in a lustful affair, you're not giving love to anyone. There's no love there at all. It's called, I lust you, honey. Lust is the perversion of love. It's short-sheeted. It's not 100% love. It's 98%. It's everything but the name of God. So to truly love someone, you have to know God. Number seven is breath. Life in the name. So as you go, Adam. Jesus. That breath means you're about to proclaim a name. You're about to make a proclamation. Number eight is the bride, of course. This is no surprise to us. Bride in Hebrew is all or complete or as if perfect. So that's why we have to be perfected as the bride of Christ before the second coming. And then number nine, just go ahead and use the arrows. I'll wait till we're done with these slides. Number nine is compassion, which is passion of the shepherd. Passion is actually something the husband is to give to his wife. She is to turn around and take that passion and impart it to the children as a mother. Passion does not mean lust. Passion is actually like a red rose. It communicates the color of love. That's what passion is. Okay, number 10 is congregation. 
keep in mind, you gals as mothers is where we actually get the term congregation. Behind the staff or shepherd. It's not in front. It's not off to the side. It's behind the staff and shepherd because it is the supportive service that is watching for little details that the leader is forgetting or neglecting to do. You can't do that if you're off to the side, equal, equal, 50-50. You can't do that if you're out in front of your leader. You don't know what details he's forgetting. The best vice president is the one who stays right behind the president and picks up the details that he's dropping. I think that's the point of having a vice president. I think that's the point of having a partner who is not equal to you in authority, but is equal to you in love and position in Christ Jesus. Equal heirs of the grace of God. Because you have an understanding that men drop details. Well then, stay behind there and pick them up. Hopefully he's going to be the kind of man who turns around and says, thank you. Often. Several times a day. Instead of becoming resentful, you should be thankful that you're actually doing your job. Number 11. His daughter. This is no surprise either, of course. The sign of the house. Daughters are signs. Jessica is like a sign that I am hanging on the outside of my house. And as men, women, young and old, drive by my house and they look at the life of my unmarried daughter, they should see the character within that house. See, I need signs on my doors. If I blow my daughter off like she's, well, i got to get her married just as quick as I can. Well... I'm going to end up getting short-sheeted. She's my sign on the house that says this is the type of character that is within this home. If you want to find out what kind of parenting is going on in a house, look at your children. Are your children angry? You're angry. Are your children bound by laws? You're bound by the law. You look at the children. For women, it's the daughters hanging there, and that's the sign of what's going on inside that house. I can sit down with any woman and in 25 minutes tell you without her confessing one detail of the house she came from, I can tell you the house she came from. That's how easy it is. So can you. I can tell the same thing in regard to leadership of men. It's very easy. Number 12. Desire. What comes from the father. There's a statement that was given to Eve that she was to say, yet all of, God said this to Eve, yet all of your desire shall be unto your husband. That wasn't just a spanking for Eve. He was realigning her actual definitions. Before she would not obey because of desire to obey, now she has to obey because of the law. God had to take what is and make it the law because she and he would not do the is because of who they were. So he had to make it the law. Which, we know what the law does. Causes us to rebel all the more. So why would God say to Eve, Yet all of your desires shall be unto your husband. You mean my desire to be famous? Yeah. My desire to have a job? Yeah. 
my desire to be independent, yeah, my desire to have, yeah, my, all her desires need to be yet unto her husband. You take that one, there's only three consequences given to a woman for sin. You move one of them around, the whole house will fall apart. She is the glue of family unity. Satan knows if you pull one of those consequences out of line, she starts to fight for the rights of it, the whole household will disintegrate. God said, you were created for my desire and from my desire. Now you give it back to your husband who I created to be the recipient of my desire through you. And if she gets that, she won't fight that. It's not a male, masculine, you know, right. It is design. Number 13. Encourage what follows the vision. Number 14. Faithful life of the mother. You take what follows the vision and you got that wagon master out there. He's just following this vision that the people basically put in front of him saying we want to go to California. So whether it's the gold rush or whatever it is, he sees the vision. Well, the wagon captain, the associate director, the vice president, is to come up and support that vision. So we can get to California. To fight the master, wagon master, is going to slow you down. You actually do not get to your goals as quick. Number 15. Fashion, what comes from hard work. It's basically what you're working on with your hands. You're fashioning something. Well, women are fashioners. They, they fashion. They make things. They mold things. They, they're just into fashioning things together. Why? So their husbands will, or their fathers will have an instrument to use to accomplish the overall vision. Number 16, the garden. This is no surprise to most people. It means to lift up, it's to grow plants up, to lift up, to produce life. Why? So, <laughs> Proverbs 31, so she could feed her children. She's a gardener for Pete's sake. She is to grow things to feed her children and her husband. That is a part of her design, is to feed her husband. Just remember this, ladies. Please remember this. I don't care what country you're from. I don't care what home you're from. I don't care what culture you're from. Please remember this. Your husband will eat anything you put in front of him. You put sin in front of him, he'll devour it. You put bitterness in front of it, he'll devour it. You put forgiveness in front of him, he will devour it. You put anything in front of him, and I'm telling you today, men are designed and made by God to eat what women give them. Satan knew that. And that's how he got to man, is through the woman who was designed to feed, through the man who was designed to be a receiver. Women get the seed so that men can receive the children. Why? To grow those children up in the ways of the Lord. There's no illustration in life. You cannot make that principle work. You want to know what you're responsible for? It's what you put on that plate. If it's unforgiveness, if it's bitterness, if it's performance, if it's playing games with them, it's whatever. 
You need to understand one simple principle, mothers. What you put on the plate, your husband's going to eat. Your father's going to eat. Your brother's going to eat. Men eat what's put in front of them. And a woman who has thought this through will confess that that's absolutely true. That's my experience. Because they know. Women feed and men like to eat. Back in the 40s there was a saying, the best way to the heart of man is through their stomach. You can rewrite the proverb every generation, but the principle's been alive since the garden, and that is, Eve knew he's going to eat whatever I put in front of him. And when you come up against a man who really takes that plate and he seriously evaluates whether he's going to trust his woman and whether there's poison in this or not, is a rare man. Slides it aside. They used to say never eat food on the table where bitterness sits at the table. It's a proverb. Never trust the hand that feeds you if there's bitterness in that hand that is feeding you. Because someday it'll be poison. Well, there's a lot of prophecy in that statement. And that's not what the sermon's about. But sometimes children rise up to kill their parents because they take that bitterness and it turns into murder. Some little guys like to do it on videos. Murder. And show that hostility on videos. Others like to do it by walking into malls. And others like to do it by just ignoring their wives. It's brokenness of relationship. Number 17, which I think is our last one. Learn to control and change the water according to the shepherd. If the shepherd says, we're going to divide the water here then that's exactly what we do. If the shepherd says we're going to rechannel the water so we can feed, it, feed, uh, feed another part of the field, then that's what we do. It's a significant part of her role. Okay, next slide. Oh, we got an 18. She's also called Miracle, which I found this very interesting. It's not what I expected when I looked it up, but uh, means uh, stops the mouth. But it's actually a miracle that women have been given the power to stop what comes out of the children's mouths. To silence a child. And that ability that a woman has, a mother has to silence a child and her husband is rather significant. So obey, which is to see the name. I would love to preach a sermon on this one. But we have been told obedience is so many things, but to keep it real simple, to obey is to see the name of the authority figure over you. Whether it's Jesus, or whether it's your husband, or your father. Jesus offers complete freedom from the lies of the enemy. He wants every woman to know that there is a way of escape, and that the enemy has no power to enslave women into believing things that stop them from demonstrating true freedom and power to men and children. You are where we learn this. Jesus knows that women are the aspect of his father's creation that points the way back to the father. Why? Because she has a clear understanding of the father. Why? Because she's extended forgiveness to her father. Why? She's working at developing relationship with, this, with her father. Her relationship with her father is priority. 
any man who does not work to keep the relationship with his wife closely connected to her father is basically functioning as a fool. Because see, if he dies, where is she going? According to biblical law. Back to the father. Well, nowadays, we have such broken relationship with fathers. Where do the wives got to go? If there's a divorce or if there's a death, or with, they have to do it. These dads aren't stepping up. They have to do it. I think it's one of the most deceptive, but precisely well thought out lies the enemy has penetrated into the world today. This is what I am praying over you as the mothers. Dear Father, I know that you have given us women to be the completer and helper of men. And I believe all of what you're, you've stated in the scriptures in regard to the role of woman. I will not add one thing to it, and I will not take one thing from it. I believe she is a co-heir of your grace, and that you have made her perfect in your sight. And God, I renounce in Jesus' name all ways that men has tempted to make her less than man. I accept her and the way that you have created her. I choose now to pray for all the women that are being used and mistreated by men. I ask that you would protect her and her children from these men that tend to take advantage of her in the way that you have made her. And I claim your peace for all those who are, abu are in abusive relationships. I ask that you would show all men that you have given women to mankind to complete them and not abuse them. These things I pray in the blessed name and power and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We want to thank you for listening in on our podcast today. This message comes to you by way of a podcast feed from Heartland Family Fellowship, a family integrated church, which is an outreach of IOM America, right here in Sterling, Kansas. For more information about our church or international ministry, log on to www.iomamerica.org. And if you would like to connect to our fellowship, log on to www.heartlandfellowships.org. It's our prayer that the mind of Christ in you draws you into a deeper walk with Him.